Coming up on Locked on Dodgers, I'll answer a listener question about how Dodger fans feel about the Brooklyn Dodgers. I'll touch a little bit on the Cody Bellinger news we got on Thursday, and then Vince will talk about a Anthony Rizzo to the Dodgers rumor he heard. So let's get Locked on Dodgers. You are Locked on Dodgers. Your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, Dodger fans. I am Jeff Snyder of Baseball Essential, and this is Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Vince and I are doing a split episode, so he will be with you for the second half of this show. I want to thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every day. Remember, this show is free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube simply by searching for Locked On Dodgers. This is the daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans' perspective on our boys in blue. And like I said, it's a split episode, uh, and I am going to talk... uh, I I guess I'm going to do the the listener question first because uh, it's a really interesting topic, something I hadn't really thought about before. Um... But our, our buddy Matt Steinberg, I'm just going to jump right in. Uh, Matt Steinberg on Twitter, at M Steinberg, uh, he asked, Hey Jeff and Vince, I've got a question for the podcast. What's the attitude of Californians towards the Brooklyn heritage of the Dodgers? I ask because I live in western New York and I don't know the thought patterns of California Dodger fans. Do the fans care as much about the team's history pre-1958 as they do after 1958? Or are the Brooklyn Dodgers treated as almost a separate team? Thanks, love the show, and hope next October you can go back to opening each episode with the podcast covering the World Series champion Los Angeles Dodgers. You and me both, Matt, can't wait to be able to say that. Uh, but yeah, I appreciate the question, and uh, it's, you know, I think on, I remember if it was on this podcast or the podcast Vince and I used to do, we had a conversation one time about if the Dodgers were to move to a new city, would we still be Dodger fans? And uh in a lot of ways it came down to, are they keeping the same team name? Cause like, you know, for me anyway, the Brooklyn Dodgers and the Los Angeles Dodgers, they're the same team. It's, you know, they moved obviously. And I might feel differently if I had been alive. Definitely. If I had been a Brooklyn Dodgers fan living in Brooklyn, I might've felt betrayed or whatever. Um, but as, as a Dodger fan, I was born in 1977. So by the time I was paying attention, the Dodgers had been in, in LA for 25 years and it was, you know, it, it's the same franchise. And, but then I think about like the Washington Nationals, who used to be the Montreal Expos. I don't know if there are any baseball fans who consider, like, I, I don't know if any Nats fans have a whole lot of pride in Tim Raines as a Montreal Expo or Gary Carter uh, or Andre Dawson. And I don't know if any Expos fans in Montreal just carried right over and, and remained fans of the franchise and are now national fans. I don't know if that's the case. Um, and, and so I was trying to think, is it just because they changed their name when they moved or is it more than that? And the one thing I can think that might be more than that is the Expos had never done anything. You know, people like to pretend that they would have won the World Series in 1994, if not for the strike, just because they had the best record in baseball at the time. Uh, the team with the best record in baseball hardly ever wins the World Series. So, uh, chances are they wouldn't have won it then. Uh, they might not have even won the division because that was right in the middle of the Braves winning the division every year. And so a uh, decent chance the Braves would have come back and knocked the Expos out of first place 
you know, and, and that was really 94 is the only thing the Expos have. You know, they had 1981 when the Dodgers knocked them out on Blue Monday, uh, but they don't have any history. They never won a World Series. And so it's like, you know, e- even the, the great players they had didn't make the switch uh, you know, obviously there were some players who were on the Expos and the next year they were on the Nationals, but there weren't any great players. And I think maybe that's what sets it apart for the Dodgers the most is because the Dodgers had five Hall of Fame players who played for both the Brooklyn Dodgers and the Los Angeles Dodgers. You had Gil Hodges, who was just elected. You had Pee Wee Reese, who his last season was the Dodgers' first year in L.A. Didn't play a ton, but, you know, he made that move. You had Duke Snyder, who his best years came in Brooklyn, but he he was an L.A. Dodger. Uh, and then you have the two pitchers, Don Drysdale and Sandy Koufax. And in addition to those five Hall of Famers, you have some other legends, too. You have Don Newcomb. You have Jim Gilliam. You have you know, Roy Campanella, who didn't play in L.A., but only because of tragic circumstances. He was on the team when they left Brooklyn and would have played in L.A. And so that would have been a sixth Hall of Famer. You know, you've got guys who, uh, you know, Carl Ferrillo is kind of a big name. Uh, Johnny Padres, uh, a lot of these guys who, uh, you know, uh, who was the other one I was going to, I can't remember now. But, you know, a lot of guys played for both the Brooklyn Dodgers and the Los Angeles Dodgers. And you've got the Dodgers won the World Series in 1955. And then they won it uh, their second year in L.A. in 1959. And then again in 63 and 65. And so in their first eight nine years in LA, they won three world series. And at least some of those, you know, I mean, Don Drysdale and Sandy Koufax were big parts of two of those at least. Uh, And so, you know, you had guys who had played for the Brooklyn Dodgers who immediately came and won world series titles in Los Angeles. And so I think that kind of made the transition uh, a little bit more, a little bit easier and gave more of a connection to LA Dodger fans to the Brooklyn team because it was a lot of the same players. And then obviously you have Jackie Robinson. You can't overstate how important that is because Jackie Robinson, uh, you know, and, and maybe, maybe if none of those, if the Dodgers didn't have those five hall of famers who had played for both teams, you know, Jackie Robinson's last year was 1956, the year before their last year in Brooklyn. Uh, so he never came to LA. Um, and maybe if there hadn't, and maybe if everybody, all their good players had retired, before they left Brooklyn, like Jackie Robinson did, or came along after they got to LA, you know, like like some of the like Don Sutton did, for example. Maybe there wouldn't be that connection. Um, but I think Jackie Robinson, you know, him being a Dodger, the fact that the Dodgers uniforms still look very very similar to what they did when Jackie Robinson was on the team, I think that helps. And so yeah, I do think that Dodger fans, LA Dodger fans, have a pretty strong connection to the Brooklyn Dodgers. But I also think, like, for example, if we're talking about uh, a lot of Dodger fans, diehard Dodger fans can tell you when the Dodgers lost the World Series. You know, I know um, that the Dodgers lost the World Series in 1974 to the A's. They lost it in 77 and 78. The first two years I was alive, they lost to the Yankees. Uh, And obviously in 2017 and 2018. I think we all know the Brooklyn Dodgers lost to the Yankees a bunch in the World Series, uh, but... I don't think very many of us could name the years that that happened. And some of that is just because it was almost a hundred years ago, but also some of it is, you know, I think when you've got a franchise that moved like that, you claim the victories and don't necessarily claim the failures as much. So I I think in that way, there's not quite the same connection. 
but also I think even if the Dodgers have been in LA the whole the whole time, I don't think there's many people who could tell you every year that the LA Dodgers lost to the Yankees in the World Series if they had been back in the 30s and 40s and whatever. So you know, uh, overall though, yeah, I, I really like that question, Matt, and I do think that. California Dodger fans connection to the Brooklyn Dodgers is pretty darn strong. It's definitely, we think of it as the same team. Um, and you know, obviously Brooklyn Dodger fans might have a different mindset on that. Uh, and that's understandable, but we Dodger fans, I, I love myself in, even though I haven't lived in California and uh, regularly in like 26 years, I'm still, I still think of myself as a Californian. I know my California driver's license number. I don't know my Utah driver's license number, even though my California driver's license expired like 18 years ago or something. Um, but I, I still know that number. So I still think of myself as a Californian, even though I've been here in Utah for a long time. And I love Utah. Um, but uh, so I lump myself there in with the California Dodger fans because I did grow up a California Dodger fan. And so I, uh, I do have that connection. Uh, but, you know, Naturally, there is a stronger connection to the L.A. teams. Um, and like I said, some of that is because so many great players made the transition from Brooklyn to L.A. with the team. So thank you for that question. I'm going to come back in a minute and I'm going to talk a little bit about the Cody Bellinger news. Thank you for making Locked on Dodgers your first listen every day. And be sure to keep it locked on Dodgers. Hey, let's talk about Built Bar. It's the holiday season. Lots of delicious food. Uh, if you're like, I don't know if your neighbors like where I live, people are bringing treats over all the time. It's like we've gotten something from almost all of our neighbors. We've just got treats just piled on our kitchen island, and, you know, there's no shortage of treats. But every once in a while, I'll try to mix in a Built Bar because it's just as delicious as the fudge that my buddy Garner down the street made. Man, Garner makes good fudge. If you know Garner, go ask him for some fudge. Uh, Built Bar is just as delicious as Garner's fudge, but it's not bad for you. I think Garner's fudge probably is. Uh, and that's okay. It's Christmas time. It's okay. But the good thing about uh, Built Bar is next week when I have to start trying to lose weight because look at me, if you're watching on YouTube, you can tell I need to work on that a little bit. I can keep eating the Built Bars because they are healthy. They're low fat, low sugar, low carb, uh, and high protein. So everything you want in delicious food, there they are. And they're all delicious. Bunch of different flavors. If you don't know what you like, order a mix box and they'll send you a bunch of flavors and you can decide what you like. If you do what you know what you like, go ahead and order that. Whatever you're going to do though, go to build.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you will get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, I'm back. I want to thank you again for making Locked on Dodgers your first listen every day. Uh, we really appreciate that. Uh, like I said, Vince is going to come along and do the second half of the show in a few minutes. Uh, but he, he's going to talk about a rumor he heard about Anthony Rizzo to the Dodgers and maybe a couple other things. As I'm recording, Vince is at the Laker game, the last game uh, at the Staples Center before they change the name to whatever it is, uh, Crypto something arena ballpark. Um Whatever, you know, I don't have that strong connection to the Lakers that a lot of people do, but I know that this is a hard time for a lot of people. So uh, my thoughts are with you in this trying time of uh, changing corporate sponsors of a building, I guess. Um, but uh, there was a little bit of baseball news actually on Thursday, which we weren't expecting because it's a lockout and there isn't any baseball news. But we found out that before the lockout started, the Dodgers and Cody Bellinger reached an agreement to avoid arbitration. They agreed on a $17 million contract, which is 
a raise of about $900,000 over what Bellinger made last year. Uh, he made $16.1 million. Obviously, Bellinger was really, really bad in the regular season in 2021. He was great in the postseason, and, and it was kind of a, you know, that that, that was a different approach to for Cody Bellinger. Uh, it's kind of the opposite of what he's done in a lot of uh, a lot of his career, where he'll be good in the regular season and then struggle in the postseason. He did the opposite, um, but overall, I mean, he was terrible in the regular season in 2021, and so it has a lot of people scratching their heads saying, well. You know, why is he getting so much money? 17 million bucks is a lot for a guy who was, you know, below replacement level last year. And the fact is the way our, the arbitration system works is nobody takes a pay cut in arbitration. Last year, Cody made $16.1 million in his first year of arbitration. This year, he's making more. In 2022, he's going to make more because everybody gets a raise. And uh, that's the way it is. And, and that's okay. Um it is a very small raise, and that kind of is reflective of how bad he was last year. Uh, I saw when Jeff Passan tweeted the news that the Dodgers and, and Bellinger had agreed, he said some people in the industry had had thought that Bellinger might be a non-tender candidate. Um, really quick definition, if you don't know what that means, non-tendering. Basically, guys who are, uh, anybody who hasn't yet reached free agency, so in their first six years-ish of service time, uh, the team has the option, are we going to tender him a contract? And if so, in the first three years, it's, okay, we'll pay him whatever we want. It's going to be around the league minimum. And in the next three years, uh, it's, are we going to offer him arbitration? Uh, and so that's tendering him a contract. And so being non-tendered means the team said, you know what, instead of, paying you to be on the team, we're going to stop paying you to be on the team and you can go somewhere else. That's what they did with Russell Martin back in 2000, whatever year it was, uh, 2010, um, something like that. I think it was 2010. Uh, and, you know, so uh, it happens sometimes. And so Passon said that some people thought Bellinger might be a non-tender candidate. I just don't think that that was ever actually a realistic possibility. Uh, Cody Bellinger has too much potential when he's healthy, he's too good defensively, and we saw, you know, he's a great hitter when he's right. Obviously, he has maybe he's one of the streakiest hitters we've seen. Um, he goes through all those uh, batting stance tweaks and everything, so it's hard for him to put it together for a while. But when he does, he is so good, and the defense is so good. Uh, and the injuries he had last year, they were mostly flukish. You know, getting that broken leg, getting just kicked on a play, it's like. You, you can't expect that. That's not uh, a sign of being injury prone. That was a dumb luck injury. And so, you know, I, I would suspect that uh, if the Dodgers ever had a conversation about non-tendering Bellinger, I assume it lasted about eight seconds long enough for Andrew Friedman or some other smart person in the front office to say, uh, there's no way we would consider non-tendering Cody Bellinger, right? And everybody else say, right. And then moving on. Uh, so, you know, I do, I do know passing. I believe him when he says some people in the industry thought he might be a non-tender candidate. Uh, but let's just remember that some of the people in the industry are guys like Jim Bowden and Jim, do, uh, Jim, why are they all Jim's? The guy who used to be the, uh, uh, Rockies general manager. I can't remember his name. Maybe he's a John. I don't know. Um, but you've got these guys who their career arc has been a major league baseball general manager then fired from being a general manager for being bad at being a general manager. And now they work in baseball analysis. So yeah, maybe, 
may, maybe some of those guys would have actually Jim Bowden may maybe would have considered non-tendering Cody Bellinger. Maybe the guy who used to be the Rockies man, general manager, who I'm sure has a name, I can see his face. No idea what his name is at this point in time. Uh, maybe he would have considered non-tendering Cody Bellinger. That's why they're not GMs anymore. And so I don't think anybody on the Dodgers even considered it. And so Cody will be back next year getting, making $17 million bucks, which is a reasonable amount. Uh, if Cody is even remotely right, it's it's a bargain to get him for $17 bucks. And so hopefully he can come in healthy uh, obviously, hopefully the season actually gets to be played a full season. He can come in healthy and give the Dodgers their money's worth and then some. Uh, that's it for baseball news today. Uh, and that's it for me today and for this week. Happy Christmas Eve. Tomorrow's Christmas. Merry Christmas. If you celebrate, uh, if you celebrate something else, happy that. If you don't celebrate anything, happy, you know, Friday to you. And uh, appreciate you guys being here with us even on this holiday week. We're going to be with you all week next week to wrap up the year. Uh, and like I said, Vince is going to be along to talk about Anthony Rizzo to the Dodgers as a possibility. So thanks for making us your first listen every day. And Vince will be along in a minute. Bet Online has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the college bowl season and pro football playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. So head over to the website on your laptop or mobile device, and right now you can get a 50% welcome bonus after your first deposit with the promo code Locked On. Just sign up, make that first deposit, promo code Locked On, and you get a 50% welcome bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports, so don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available. Bet online where the game starts. Yo, 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 Dodger fans. Vince Samperio here to f- finish out the episode. Um, a li- Jeff misspoke a little bit. It wasn't a rumor about Anthony Rizzo that I saw with the Dodgers. It was an article I saw that had him have the Dodgers as one of the top landing spots for Anthony Rizzo and a name that we hadn't heard, I mean, connected. So I haven't heard connected to the Dodgers, but a name that I guess the Dodgers could theoretically be interested in. Although I will right here say that I don't think Anthony Rizzo is a guy the Dodgers need to go after, but it, it, it is something in the realm of why they'd be interested in Freddie Freeman, just obviously to a much lower extent. Freddie Freeman is a much, much, much better player than Anthony Rizzo. But I guess if the Dodgers didn't want to upgrade their team or give themselves better options off the bench, signing Anthony Rizzo could theoretically help them in that area. Obviously, he plays first base, and this would be the same thing with Freddie Freeman. Max Muncy moves over to second base. Gavin Lux and Chris Taylor kind of become the two floating guys uh, that move around and, and play wherever they're needed. And, yeah, that's essentially what would happen in this scenario. Anthony Rizzo's really kind of gone down, not downhill, but really hasn't necessarily gone uphill uh, in his last few seasons you know, with Cubs. He got traded to the Yankees last year. Uh, last year he hit 248 with a 783 OPS. 22 home runs, 61 RBIs, and basically a full season worth 560, 576 plate appearances. So nothing to write home about, 783 OPS, 
it's okay. It's above average, but it's not anything special. You know, he's not bringing ridiculous power, 22 home runs. Um, yeah, not necessarily a guy that you're going to go out and, and throw the bank at. Um, you know, just looking at his peripherals too, he, the really, the real, the thing he really succeeds at is his max exit velocity, which is in the 95 percentile. But it's a little bit, you know, deceiving when he does hit the ball hard, he hits the ball hard, but his average exit velocity is only in the 68th percentile. So he's not hitting it consistently hard. He just has, when he hits it hard, it's hard. And, you know, I'm sure there's things as with any player, the Dodgers could maybe see or tweak or, or find that can help him out. And, and, you know, if they did happen to sign him, you know, it would overall upgrade the roster but i don't think it's the upgrade necessary or the upgrade that they really need to make now yeah this is same thing with with when i talked about chris bryant the other day is if the price is right let's just say hey you know anthony rizzo's looking for a one-year bounce back deal you know one year 15 20 mil or he's looking for you know a deal in the in the I don't know, 12 to $15 million range. Maybe he really prices out and really drops down. Then, hey, maybe, you know what? Yeah, take a chance on him, take a flyer, you know, move move some stuff around. If the Universal DH is a thing, you would have him and Turner and, and Muncie to kind of, you know, filter around it and be the DH possibly. So he's a guy that, like I said, strengthens overall roster, but <clears throat> it would have to be at the right price. And I don't think he's going to get overpaid, but I don't think he's going to get to the point where the Dodgers would seriously look at him. Um, but, you know, I mean, he he would be able to fill a role. He would be able to play first base. He would give the Dodgers the flexibility to move Muncie to second. Or if Muncie's elbow becomes more of an issue or, you know, affects his swing or makes him miss time. You know, that's the stuff that we don't know. We can only assume that Max Muncie will be okay and that he'll – be ready for the start of the season and that the torn UCL won't affect his swing because, and it definitely won't affect his defense because it's on the other side, but that's what we assume right now. We don't necessarily know, um, you know, and, and I don't think the pursuit of Freddie Freeman necessarily tells us anything about Max Muncy's injury because Freeman is far and above an, an elite player and would, you know, it's a guy that you don't, you move people around for if you're going to be able to try and get, Whereas a guy like Anthony Rizzo isn't a guy you're moving people around for if you're going to try to get. So, you know, that's, that's where I'm at there. You know, he, he's a, he plays a, a decent base. He's a good guy, I guess, to a certain extent. Um, he's had some interesting ideas and thoughts about other things, but so has uh, Blake Trinan. So we can't say too much about that end, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure he would fit in and he would, you know, bring the Dodgers a little bit of pop but it's not necessarily the pop they're looking for. And you would hope that Gavin Lux could outperform him offensively. Um, if, if, you know, if that's what it came down to, or if it's Muncie and Lux on the right side of the infield rather than Rizzo and Muncie on the right side of the infield. But like I said, having Gavin Lux and Chris Taylor as your two floaters moving around, you know, <clears throat> giving guys days off and, and whatever the case. And that's a pretty strong team. And, and that's where the Dodgers kind of have to get back to. I don't know. They can go about it two ways, whether whether it's strengthening the bench position, whether they sign guys um, that aren't going to be starters but are above average. And, and, you know, if they did have to become starters because of injury, then the Dodgers would be fine. Or they could go about where they add, you know, above collective talent, 
um, that would be starter starter talent, and then everyone else gets bumped down a little bit. I think Freddie Freeman does that for sure because, like I said, he is top-tier talent. I don't think Anthony Rizzo does it, and I think if you get Anthony Rizzo, you open yourself up to, okay, what if he doesn't hit or what if it doesn't work out? He's not necessarily a great piece to have off the bench um, if he's not hitting because he can only play one position and he, he doesn't give you much versatility. And if he's not hitting, then what's really the point? Now, you know, he could be, like I said, with University A's, that might change things. Maybe the Dodgers do want to have 10 really, really, really good hitters. That way you have nine starters and then at least one guy off the bench that that can give you above average offense. Um, but they also have Edwin Rios that's coming back and assuming everything comes back healthy with him. And he's a guy that plays first and third and hits lefty, and has the power, and could theoretically, I don't know about outperform Rizzo at this point, but he could give similar similar Rizzo output, and, and he's a guy you already have on the roster, and you don't have to pay. So, yeah, just an interesting name I saw, um, not one that I would necessarily recommend for the Dodgers, but, you know, it's the offseason, and when we see something and we want to talk about it in regards to the Dodgers, we're going to do it, and Anthony Rizzo happened to be that guy today. And that's all I got. That's all, that's all for today's episode. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for making Lockdown Dodgers your first listen every morning. Every weekday morning, we're here for you. We want to wish you a happy holidays and Merry Christmas if you celebrate or whatever you celebrate. Enjoy it. Uh, be safe out there. I know it, it's it's starting to – COVID starting to ramp back up, so everyone be safe out there and, and have a safe holidays. I mean, we'll be back next week, but the holidays are going to happen between this episode and the next episode. So – that's how it goes. Um, yeah, other ways to get a hold of us or other ways to find us. We are on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Dodgers. Jeff is on Twitter at Snydog. I'm at Vince Samperio. You can call and leave us a voicemail or send us a text at 323-863-5625. Or you can send us an email, LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com. We're here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be with us when you get in your car or if you're at home. Tell your smart device play podcast, Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one.